Father, this morning we come to you, and what really stuck to me in that last song we sung was that Jesus smiled at, at him, a little drummer boy. And Lord, I know that this morning, that if we want you to smile upon us, it's because we received your son Jesus as our Savior, and then you have smiled upon us, and we see your Savior, and we receive the gift that you've given, Lord. So smile upon the audience today over the internet or those listening down the road or those of us who are here today. Lord God, smile upon them because they've received your precious gift of Jesus Christ at this time of year when we, when we, we look towards you. We look towards our Savior. And that's why we give gifts to one another because the great gift that you've given to us. So we give God gifts to our loved ones. But Father, I believe people have forgotten that. And Lord, we give a gift to you. We give our hearts to you this morning. Again, refreshed, refreshed and renewed, Lord. For those of us, many of us over the internet and those of us here may have drifted away from you, but we can always come to the Savior so that you can smile upon us once again. And then we will be blessed when we go in, blessed when we go out. We'll be the head and not the tail, the beginning and not the end because you smiled on us because of us not letting the blood of your precious son, your precious blood be shed in vain in our lives. This Christmas, Lord, and every Christmas and every day, we believers worship you and praise you for the precious gift you gave us of eternal life through your son, Jesus. To you be the glory, Lord God. If anybody out there, Lord, doesn't know you, smile upon them today. Let them see your smile and grab that gift from under the tree, open it up, and receive Christ Jesus into their hearts. And then their lives will be changed. They'll be a new creature. The old things passed away, and all things become new. And no longer will they be a part of this world. They'll be part of the kingdom of heaven on this earth, doing the work that you called us to do, which is to win souls to Christ. To you be the glory, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Open, let us hear what your Holy Spirit has to say through this service today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. You may be seated. For those online, we're glad you're there. We're, we're Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. Um, I'm going to tell you that. We're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida, 33462. Um, and we're local. If you're local, come by and see us. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m., Every Thursday at 7.15, except this Thursday, because it's, it's a holiday. And then uh, we usually have a men's group on Sunday, or Saturday, I'm sorry, at 9 a.m., but we're going to cancel because that's New Year's Day. But, so, if you're out there, we, we invite you to go to our website, freedomchurchpb, stands for palmbeach.org, freedomchurchpb.org. You can find out all about us, where we are, uh, where we're located, what we believe in, you can check out any sermons from the past. You can even donate online. And while I'm on the donate thing, you know, we don't preach money around here too often. But uh, last time it was three years before we had one, you know, on, on tithing and giving and alms. But, but I want to tell you, you know, this is the end of the year. A lot of people get rid of the cash that they would give to the government. They give it to their church. So I'm advising you today. You can give. You can 
You can uh, do what your accountant says and give the money to the church, or you can give it to the government that's going to kill your babies, or you can give it to the Lord who's going to save people's souls through the missionaries and evangelists out there and the churches that preach in the gospel. It's an easy decision, a very easy decision. We ought to be ashamed of what we're doing here in America to our, our precious little uh, children. It's just the spirit of Molech from the Old Testament in, in today's generation, the adultery, or not the adultery, but the abortions. It's just the spirit of Molech. Really. People sacrifice their children to the Lord. In this place, they're sacrificing their children so that they could continue with their, themselves because it's all about them. But once you come to Jesus, it's not about you anymore. It's about them out there that are lost. And we want to win a, a lost soul, souls to Christ. So I think that's all, all, all that we have to say, you know, um, and we're going to get into our message. We're in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Luke 26. I named this message a heavenly look at the incarnation. You know what? We're going to look at the incarnation today. Really not the, the birth of Christ, but the incarnation where the seed of God was implanted in Mary the Virgin. You know, we're going to look at it. And we're going to look at it. Not just in the in the world as we see it all our lives, the you know Mary being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at what might have been happening in the spiritual realm in 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 heaven. We're going to look at that today. Because you know that you're a Christian, you know that there's a spiritual world. You're part of that spiritual world. You have died to yourself, and you were born again, as Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 7, and many other places in the Bible, First John, you know, also, you know, you've been born again. You've been awakened to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit and the world, and the Spirit of God, and you chose God. You chose to be of the Spirit of God. Well, we're going we're gonna to pray that the Spirit, you know, uh, uh, be well seen today. And how God may have done this. So let me let me begin by telling you, before we read Luke chapter one, verse twenty-six through thirty-eight, there have been many times in history where the Jews were trying, where people wanted to wipe out the Jewish nation. Why did they want to wipe out the Jewish nation? Well, for one thing, God gave a prophecy. In the Old Testament, Genesis 3.15, which was a curse upon Satan and a consequence on man. Satan was cursed, and, he, and God said to the serpent who deceived Eve, he said, you know, the seed of the woman will crush your skull, but you will only bruise his heel. So since that time, the devil knew that he was doomed. God speaks, it happens, it's just the way it is. Because God is not a liar. He says he's the, the way, the truth, the life. The Old Testament, New Testament is filled with truths. These aren't fairy tales that you see. They're truths. It's a true book. It's a true writing. This book shouldn't even exist for as many times as it has been, been tried to be wiped out by many people over the ages and nations. 
But back in the Old Testament, Satan gathered the, the uh, info on this, that that seed of the woman had to be God, and, and that seed was going to crush his skull. He knew it, and he was going to try to wipe out that seed of the woman to, to eliminate Messiah from the spiritual realm and the physical realm because the seed was going to come through Israel, as we well know. They tried to wipe, you know, devil tried to wipe out Israel, even in the Old Testament in Genesis, I believe it's chapter 6 with the Nephilim. I believe they were actually demons. You may not believe with me, but we're still brothers, okay, because we believe Jesus came, died, buried, and is risen. We're still brothers. I believe the Nephilim were demonic angels that could actually actually break the barrier. They were so strong they could they could even move into the physical realm, and they could have sex with with uh, the women of the world. And if the Satan could have pulled that off, then the seed eventually, with all the generations that have gone by, could have wiped out the holy blood of the Messiah. That's one time that we're that I'm I'm, I'm convinced. Has happened. So God had to destroy the world with a flood, and then he took those demons that could cross over the line, and he put them in bonds of change. You can find that in, in uh, 2 Peter 2.24. You can find it in Jude verse 6 or verse 9. You know, um, you can see those things, and I believe they're in bondage. It can't be done anymore because God stopped them. In, in Esther's time, Haman tried to wipe out the Jewish nation, okay, in, in the line of Messiah. You know, there were, there were attempts, you know, um, in Bethlehem, you know, the babies. It was prophesied in Micah that the babies would be, would be uh, wiped out in Bethlehem, okay? And that was, that was Herod being used by Satan to try to destroy the Messianic line. He's going to destroy the Messianic line. Even, even amongst believers, do you remember the time when, when Peter said to Jesus, you know, um, it's not going to happen. We're not going to let you go to the cross. Do you realize that the devil planted that in him? Because if Jesus didn't go to the cross, you and I would still be lost if he wasn't killed and risen. He was even, you can even use believers because they misunderstood the scriptures. We have to know the truth of the scriptures, and we have to know the truth. And it's the truth that you know that, that, um, that you can claim, I guess you could say. If you don't know the Word of God, you can't claim the Word of God. I'm not talking name it or claim it. I'm just talking, you know, you can't claim the Word of God and anything, the, you know, even Deuteronomy's blessings and all that. You can't claim them because you don't know God. Jesus' temptation. Satan tried to get Jesus to, to fall in the temptation in Matthew chapter 4. You remember he threw three lies to him. That's half-truths, I should say. But Jesus passed the test. Satan was still trying to deceive the Messiah himself, even though who he knew who he was. As you well know, if you read the scriptures, even the demons cried out, We know who you are. You're the Son of God. Yeah. You know, so Satan knew what was going on. He knew who Jesus was. He knew about the forerunner, you know, which would be John the Baptist. That's going to be forerunning Christ. He's going to baptize you with water for repentance. And Jesus is going to baptize you in the Spirit. How about the Holocaust of the past? Like Hitler wiping out all the Jewish, trying to wipe out the Jewish nation. 
You know, it don't make any sense to me. Hitler was trying to have a blonde-haired, blue-eyed nation, and he was black-haired with a big, thick mustache and brown eyes. He was gonna, you know, he was actually coming against himself. And that's what the devil does. He blinds people so well they don't even understand it, unless you know the scriptures. He tried to wipe them out, and all through, even Islam trying to wipe out the Jewish nations. You know, all this thing, even Psalm 83, you know, talks about let's these uh, the Moab and Edom and the Ishmaelites and the Ammonites and the Malachites. They said, let us cut, up, cut them off from being a nation. They wanted to cut off Israel. But God wasn't going to allow it, as you well know. Even in Revelation, we see in Revelation chapter 12, we see the woman who was sent in the wilderness because the devil, the dragon, was out trying to kill her and her offspring. And guess who we are? We are her offspring, the sons of God. The devil tried to kill people all through our, our Jewish nation so that the Messiah wouldn't show up. He was convinced he was going to win this war, but we know for a fact that he's not going to win this war. That dragon wanted to rule over the, kill the woman before she had the child because she was pregnant in Revelation chapter 12. And that dragon wanted that newborn baby dead and her offspring, which is the Christian nation and all believers who believe. But the scriptures say that this child will rule over the nations and we certainly know that he does today. But the woman fled to safety, and we too can flee to, flee to safety, even in this world. You can flee to safety from the enemy. You can flee to safety from, from the diseases and, and all the muck out there into the world by dwelling in the house of the Lord and hiding in his shadow, according to Psalm 91. You can even back all that up with with, um, I lost my train here. Wait a minute. You can even back that up, you know, with in, the cha in Daniel chapter 7, where we see the war that I call the war of all ages going on. The, the horn and the little horns were making great boasts against the Almighty, blaspheming him. And all of a sudden, the Son of Man comes in the clouds of glory. And the kingdom, the Ancient of Days, sits on his throne. That's the Lord God Almighty. And he, he, he uh, makes the Son of God to rule the nations. And then he said, pronounces judgment from the throne to the horns that are making great blasphemous boasts against the Son of God and against the Ancient of Days. And God says, I rule in favor of the saints. So we are protected and ruled by God. God is in, in your favor. You are his favorite child in the whole wide world besides his son. He loves you so much. So what about the heavenly look at the incarnation? I'm just telling you that the devil's going to try to wipe out the seed of the woman from the very beginning of time. Since the beginning of his fall, I should say. We know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know that for a fact. We know John 14, that the Word of God was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. 
We know Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't know these things, you do need to know them because it's the truth that knows that will set you free. And the word of God, which was with God in verses 1 through 5, who all the world was made through him, okay? It says here that the word of God became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we know from Scripture that then in uh, Scripture that in Isaiah 7:14 that he was be called Emmanuel. We know that in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that backs up this verse and the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. But it says in Hebrews 10:5 through uh, 5 through 7, sacrifice and offerings God did not desire. He didn't desire for all those bulls and goats and lambs to be sacrificed. Here's what he wanted. But a body was prepared for me. Behold, I have come in the scroll of the law, the book, the Bible. It is written of me to do your will, O God. So Messiah came in the flesh. There was a body prepared for him from the very beginning. We see that in Scripture. We know that this body that Jesus had, according to Isaiah, it has no stately former majesty. That means he wasn't handsome particularly. He would have been on the cover of Life magazine or something like that. He had no stately form of majesty. He was despised and rejected of men. He was forsaken by them. He bore griefs. He was pierced for our iniquities. He was scourged for our healing. And because all of us, like sheep, have gone astray, and each of us have turned to our own way. The body was prepared for him, but he was nothing special. It was his word that was special, because he, his real throne was in heaven. As we sang today, he gave up his throne to come down. How many kings do you know that would do that? How would you, how would you like a president of the United States to switch places with you? He wouldn't do it. Because no king would do it except God Almighty. We're going to see that as we get into the heavenly realm of this message. There's 365 prophecies. If you've been in this church, you know I ring that up every, every, almost every time I preach. I want you to know that these prophecies are, are prophecies that are going to come to pass or already came to pass. And we know that 365 of them are fulfilled in the Old Testament in one person, Jesus Christ. That's it. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. Look at this. He is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, this word of God. By him all things were created. That means Jesus is the creator. God, the Father, created everything through him. You can back that up with John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and right here in Colossians 1, 15 through 17. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. This whole world consists because of him. Do you know that scientists can't figure out what holds an atom together? You have a positive, a, ne and a, a, a negative, and a neutron, and those should repel one another. They should just explode. 
It's, I, I can't figure it out. You know why? Right here is the answer. He holds all things together, and by them they consist. He's holding this world together. So when the world gets burned up with fire, all Jesus has to do is release his grip. That's simple. Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. So listen, all you out there that don't know the sign. This is the sign, Christmas. In, in him you will get a sign. In the Lord himself will give you a sign that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Do you realize that, that God, Jesus is God because he's with you? The Spirit of God lives in you, and the Spirit of God is none other than the Spirit of Christ. He lives in you. This baby is going to come. They were expecting a great conquering king to, to, to conquer their, their slavery to Rome and before that to, to Greece and before that to Syria and before that Assyria. They wanted, they wanted to have freedom, and they thought that the Messiah was going to come with all power and a great sword in his hand. But he came as a baby to redeem you from your sins. It was a promise from Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman will crush the skull of Satan. So what could be happening in heaven and spiritually right now in the incarnation? Let me read, let me read Luke first so we get the, the, um, the carnal application to this. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, and, and, and the angel said to her, Rejoice highly, favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of salutation this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and he shall be called Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? I do not know a man. In other words, I've never had intercourse with a man. And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, you're the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. Listen to this. She had to figure it out that this was an angel. She had to figure it out. And she says, all she says was, Let it be done. Let it be done. Now Mary arose 
in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Ju Judea, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that she, that the babe, that's John the Baptist in the womb here, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means John was filled with the Holy Spirit, too. In the womb. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. In other words, the seed of God in her womb. But why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord, look at this, she already knows who this is. It's the Son of God. They knew he was coming. They just didn't expect a baby. But they get it now because they saw angels, and the angels told them. Why? But why has this granted to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For indeed, indeed as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Listen, world, that's what you need to be doing right now, leaping for joy, because God sent his beloved son into this world. And all you have to do, do not, whoever believes in him will not perish, but you will have eternal life. Listen, I say it all the time. You prepared to get married. You prepared to go to college. You prepared to have children. You prepared to buy a house. You prepared to, for your career. You even switched careers, but you forgot about your eternal, your eternal situation. You have an eternal situation. You're going to live forever because God breathed. You can read it in Genesis chapter 3. Chapter two, 1, 2, and 3, God breathed into, into mankind, and he became flesh, and he came alive. And that's God's life in you. You have a choice to spend it in heaven or where what was prepared for the devil and his angels. So what's happening in heaven? We can only uh, try to imagine what's happening in heaven. But I want to look at the spiritual side of what just might be happening in heaven. Because everybody concentrates on the baby being born. But, you know, there's, a, there's an earlier part to this, the seed being planted. And that's what we're going to look at here today. So, let's picture a scene in heaven. Listen, this may be more fiction, but I can back up this, you know, the, the stuff with Scripture. We don't know what really happened, but you can imagine, since I showed you in the beginning, that the devil was trying to kill the seed all along the way. All the children of Israel, trying to kill the, all of Israel so that the Messiah could not come. And therefore, the seed of the woman would not crush Satan's skull. The devil's going to try to take, knock this out before the beginning of time. So let's look at it. What could be happening in heaven? We see that God's sitting on his throne. And he summons, God summons his, 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 his angel Gabriel. And Gabriel leaves his post where he's stationed and steps into the throne room of God. The book of life is on his right side. Gabriel bows in homage and folds his wings. With two he covers his feet, with two he covers his eyes, and with two he flies. Because I'm, I'm likening him to a seraphim who has six wings. And a cherubim have two, or four, I'm sorry, four wings. We can see that through the scriptures. I've studied it. Seraphim were more worshipers and messengers rather than warring angels, but they were able to war. 
It's kind of like when I was in the Army. You know, I wasn't uh, a, a foot soldier, but I was a combat engineer. So you're prepared for combat. You've been trained in combat. I'm sure Gabriel was trained in combat, but Michael, of course, being a lot stronger with his his uh, uh, power of uh, angels that were warring angels with him. So Gabriel folds his wings because he covers his face because God's glory is immense and, and staggering. And even an angel would have a trouble looking at God. With the, so God speaks. Here, say God speaks. He goes, Gabriel, you have served me well throughout the centuries. Your next assignment is the greatest assignment that you'll ever have. You will carry my greatest gift to all eternity, for all eternity to earth. You will carry my greatest gift. Gabriel lifts up his eyes only to see a pure golden necklace in a clear vial dangling from God's hand. This vial will soon contain my greatest gift, Gabriel. Place it around your neck. Suddenly, while God's handing this vial, which contains his greatest gift, the seed of God Almighty himself, suddenly there, suddenly, Gabriel smells a horrible stench and a raspy voice saying, Okay, God, what gift will you send to earth this time? Gabriel stiffens his back at the wretchedness of Satan's voice and he draws his sword to do battle. But God places his hand on Gabriel's shoulder and says, Don't worry, Gabriel, he won't do you any harm. Gabriel steps back to look at God's enemy and wondered how this once beautiful, powerful angel could be so ugly. His black robe draped over his skeletal body with an indrawn, forlorn faith and deathly black hood over his toothless head. His shoes, his toes were now only three, which proved protruded from his robe and they were stained with sulfur his hands were like snakes and the talons extended from his three fingers satan pulls his hood over his head being subdued by the glorious light of the almighty god god's glory and majesty pined him seeking relief satan turns to gabriel satan's face was skullish and an indrawed, horrid look and broken teeth. What are you staring at, Gabriel? Are you glad to see me, says Satan? Gabriel's at a loss for words. He remembered what Lucifer used to look like. Gabriel's uh, speechless. He remembered Satan, or Lucifer, before he had fallen from the, by his pride. This angel was the most beautiful in heaven before his rebellion. What has happened to this beautiful, his beautiful wings and his radiant sword? His velvet-like hair and glorious blue eyes were now replaced by eyes of black coal. Lucifer's celestial beauty was now long gone. No other angel could have been compared 
to the to the majesty of this glorious pre you know pre-fallen angel before he fell gabriel had not seen lucifer since the rebellion and gabriel was repulsed by satan's grotesque and hideous presence lucifer's former splendor was completely gone satan says to god your tidings must be pretty urgent as satan continues to cover his face in god from god's glory god says the fullness of time has come for mankind's second gift satan just laughs <laughs> i hope it works better than your first gift god responds are you disappointed with my first gift oh no says satan you gave and you gave you gave adam free choice free choice he chose me over you god ever since then i have held your children captive what a gift that is satan laughs you have failed 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 now these people are mine 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 you speak quite confidently devil of course i toward everything you do yes i do you soften hearts god and i harden them you teach truth and i shadow the truth you offer joy and i steal it away from your people I had Joseph's brother betray him. I had Moses banished to the desert after he killed the Egyptian. I had David lust and commit adultery and murder. Yes, they were all mine, 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 and it was all me, me, me behind it. Yes, your work is crafty, says God, but not effective. Crafty, but not effective. Your, my people and many other nations from famine were saved through Joseph. You meant it for evil, but I turned it to good. Your banishment of Moses became the training ground for the work that I called Moses to do to deliver my people from the slavery and bondage in Egypt. And David committed lust, adultery, and murder, but he repented. And millions have been inspired by David's example and have found everlasting grace. Your deceptions have only served as a platform for my mercy, devil. Let me remind you, Satan, you are still my servants. Your feeble attempts to disrupt just enables my work because all things work together for the good to those who love me and are called according to my purpose. At this point, Satan's growling and lets out a roar, again being outwitted by God, his kingdom of hell being shaken by the roots by God's sword of his words. God says, you feeling sick, Satan, as he marches around the throne room? Are you searching for words? Satan, 
show me one person who opposed, who supposed king on earth who does your will and obeys you. Show me one person, says Satan. Dare you ask? There is only one righteous one who is sinless and can die and redeem men. Your plans have failed. No Messiah will come from your people. They're all sinners. There's none of them that are righteous. Not Moses, not Joseph, not Abraham, no one. Not Enoch, not Elijah, not Jacob, not Isaac. No one is sinless. Father rises from his throne. Satan steps back quickly and fell. God's thunderous voice booms. Those are my children, you mock devil. You think you know so much, you fallen angel, yet you know so little. God walks to the book. Come, deceiver, and read the name of the one who will call your bluff. Like a cautious cat, Satan walks sneakily to the book. Emmanuel, he utters to himself, God with us? That's right. The Messiah will be God in flesh. It's written, the virgin shall be conceived and bear a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. You, God, would be sacrificed for them? Not even you could go that far to love mankind to that extreme. But God says, I will demonstrate my love towards them, even while they're yet sinners. Devil goes, <laughs> oh God, I'll kill you first, Christ. I'll kill you first. Go ahead, says God, make my day. Your plan, God, is outlandish, off the wall. You don't know how evil and dark it is on earth, and I'll kill you, Christ. God, the earth and people are mine. I will redeem it. I will reclaim what is mine. I will become flesh. I will feel what the, my creation feels. I will see what my creation sees. For their sin, I will bring mercy. For their death, I will give them life. Because I know no sin will become sin, that they might become the children of God. Satan stands there speechless. And God says, I love my children. Emmanuel will leave a remnant of fearless children who will receive my free gift of eternal life in him. There's going to be a remnant, Satan, that will receive me. They will not fear you or your hell, for they will remember that no weapon that has formed against them will prosper, and every tongue that accuses them in judgment, they will condemn. That's you, Satan. They will have authority over you. They will have power to condemn you 
because they believe in me. I will take away their sin. I will take away eternal death. They will live forever in a righteous state. For as many as receive him, I will give them the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in my name. Because I will be the resurrection. I will be the life. And no man will come to the Father except through Messiah, Emmanuel. Satan's dumbfounded. Without sin, without death, he is powerless. Satan knows these believers would tread all over him because he has become powerless to the believers in Christ because the, 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 the saints know this scripture and that is that they will tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and nothing, absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing will hurt them. It is the truth, scriptures, that you know that will set you free. Let me rephrase that again. It is the truth of the scriptures that will set you free. So therefore, believer, you must know the scriptures. Satan knew the scriptures. He knows them better than you. He don't believe them like you do. That's the, that's the big problem. It's not the truth that you, that you know. The truth will set you free. If you don't know God's word, the devil will destroy you. I mentioned it one week ago, a couple weeks ago in the men's Bible study. God has given you weapons. I told him a story about this young man that went into the bank. And he, he went into the bank carrying an 18th, 73 Colt 45 revolver. He robbed the bank of $6,000. He was caught and got six years in jail. But he didn't know that that revolver that was in his hand was worth $242,000. It's the truth that you know that will set you free. You know that God gave you authority over demons. And now take that authority. You must know it. Satan is pacing all around now, clenching his snake-like fingers. Finally, he says, why, why, why would you do this? God, because I love them. God is in great peace. Satan's in great panic because of Emmanuel's going to come. God is ready to rescue. Satan's ready to condemn you and destroy all things like all the other times. Never in his wildest thoughts did, did Satan think God would, would do such a thing. His love for those people be so deep. Where will the battle be staged, Satan says. God says, on a hill called Calvary, 
where Jesus, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that were against people, he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Satan, that is if you make it that far. Satan smirks as his pride led him to turn around, extend his thorny wings, and soar off into the heavens. The Father once again opens a book and reads these words, one cross, three nails, equal four given. God motions to Gabriel, kneeling before for the Lord God the Father, hands Gabriel the necklace to Gabriel. This vow contains the essence of myself, a seed to be placed in the womb of a virgin named Mary, one of my chosen people. The fruit of this seed is the Son of God. Mary will be the Son of Man, and my eye will be the Son of God in the seed. Now at this point, the vow is glowing with glory. Gabriel obeys, the vial no longer empty. It's glowing, showing the light of the world is coming. Tell her to call my son Jesus. Satan desires to destroy this seed before God and his son gets to Calvary. Gabriel, with a company of, praise, with a company of praising God, they soar off into the heaven, a wave of light. Streaking through the heavens, Gabriel, with a warring, with warring cherubim all around him. Warring cherubim to the left, to the right, in front and in back. Handpicked by God the Father himself, the Father of lights, to guard this vial. Immense was the number of angels, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, praising God. Only he is worthy to receive glory and honor and power forevermore. Around Gabriel's neck dangled a gl the glowing vow. God chose the best warriors. A, bat a battle was eminent because there was battles on earth for this seed. There's going to be battles in the heaven for this seed. These angels, these warring cherubim, were, were handpicked by the Father. Around Gabriel's neck was that glowing vial. The best warriors. Battle was imminent. Suddenly, Gabriel and his angels were entangled, flying through the, the heavens so fast, so quickly, they got snared into a net. A big net snares all the angels, and the demons tie it all up. As a snare, like you would catch a bird. They were moving so fast, they didn't even have time to draw their swords. They're in a ball of confusion. They didn't know what to do. No one could even draw their swords. The demons are speaking. You are the best that heaven has? You've got to be kidding. But the king had prepared Gabriel for this attack. I knew exactly what to do. I began to cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And all the other heirs sang with me, and all the angels joined in in unity and worship, and weakened the wo and weak these words weakened the devils as they held the nets, and they 
weakened and let go because of the words of truth. When the battle, there's a lesson in that. When the battle rages in your life, speak the words of truth. Praise God. He inhabits the praises of his people. And that's what the angels are doing here. They're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who hears from his heavenly throne and, and weakens the devils with truth, with truth. That's all they were uttering, truth. The holy angels now form a seamless ball of God's glorious bright lights, which were blinding the demons. And they took off, and Michael dispatches a platoon to chase them, just like the armies of Israel chased the enemy away. They're all singing. Gabriel and the holy angels pursue, presume their, their journey. In the distance, they see another dragon, a big demon with wings so large he could take down a dozen angels at a time. His smell caused the angels to belch. With the words he tried to with words this devil tried to talk me into doubt, into deception. He says, Satan has changed. We are united now. Satan is ripe for holiness. And your king, by the way, is a liar. Placing doubt. Suddenly Gabriel knew exactly what to do. The Father was giving him guidance. We praise God and worshiped. And they were endowed with power. Within seconds, they pounced on the demon before he attacked. And he was sliced and diced with the sword of the words of God and cast that dragon-like demon into the pit. See, Satan always tried to destroy this seed, as I mentioned, through Esther, Joseph, the Bethlehem babies, the Nephilim, and many other times in scriptures. The hour of delivery is at hand. They approach Adam's children. So Gabriel, go and tell Mary. There she was. I saw her at a distance. Her heart had no shadows. She loved her God. Her soul was pure as I have ever seen, says Gabriel. Gabriel speaks softly so as not to startle her. She must have heard him. Then I shone myself before her as I was incarnated so that she could see me. She covered her face at the light of the king upon me from standing in his presence. Do not fear, Mary. God be with you. The minute I spoke, she looked up towards heaven, her heart flawless, yet she was too, she too was a sinner. Her eyes widened. Mary, you have nothing to fear. You have found favor with God. Will you become, you will become pregnant and birth God's son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will hoover over you and enter you. Therefore, the child will be called the Son of God. Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Mary looks up smiling. 
she was seeing an angel. She was going to be pregnant, but she never saw a man, never been with a man. The heavens were, were they open to her? Was this Father God speaking to her? Was the sky bluer? Were the birds singing brighter? But Mary got the message from the holy angel. And she says, I am the Lord's maid. Let it be done with me, just as you say. Faith and knowledge. She had to know the truth. She knew, evidently, that the baby was going to come. A lot of people knew that there was going to be a baby that was going to redeem mankind after he grew. We see, we see Zacharias at, in uh, Luke chapter 2, or 1, I believe it is, where he anoints the baby, and he says the Holy Spirit had told him he wasn't going to die until he saw the, the, the Messiah. And he's holding this baby in his arms, and he says, you can, you can take me home now, Lord. I just saw your Messiah. And then Anna comes in, and she starts praising God and prophesying over the baby. A lot of people knew. Mary, uh, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, knew. Why would the mother, the mother of my Lord would come and visit me? She knew. Gabriel knows at this point it is done. The light that appeared, the light now appeared in her womb and was gone from the vial. God speaks. It's a fact. It will happen. If God's speaking to you today over the Internet, he sent his son. He said he would, and he did. You need to believe it. For today could be your day of salvation over the Internet. You know, God says in 2 Corinthians 6.2, he said, in your day of trouble, I helped you. Think back in your life. How many times did you call on God and God helped you? Now, he says, now is there your time of salvation. You know that I exist. Receive me as, my, as your Savior. Ask him to put God's Son in your heart because you're a sinner, too, and you need a Savior. And that's why Jesus came. So are you ready to receive this gift this Christmas? You know, what better time to receive salvation than Christmas, the day that we celebrate the birth of our coming Savior. So what are you going to do about it? You know we sang a song, Emmanuel. Let me say some of the words of it before we end. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us, and ransom captive Israel. They were captured by the Jews, by the Romans and, and the Greeks, and so on. That mourn in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. They know the Son was coming. If you study Daniel chapter 9, you'll find out that, that if you count off the days from the, the issue, the edit to rebuild Jerusalem, until Messiah, it comes out to 173,880 days. It puts you in Jerusalem right around Passover. Right around Passover. O come, O come, the Lord of might, who to the tribes on Satan's height in ancient times did give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. O come, rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from death's of hell thy people save and give them glory 
our victory over the grave. You can have victory over the grave today. All you got to do, put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive that gift. But as many as received him, says Paul to the Romans, he gave you the right to become a child of God, even to those who believe on his name. The Romans even have a road to heaven. Paul made sure that he gave it to them. Romans 3.10 tell you that all there is none righteous. None of us are righteous. No, not even one. Even Mary, she had sin in her life. She was born with original sin, just like all of us. And there is none righteous. No, not one. We go to Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. I don't care how good you think you are. You're better than your neighbor, but you aren't better than God. You're comparing yourself against the wrong person. You compare yourselves to God, yourselves to God, you're a sinner. That's all there is to it. He's not going to let you into his kingdom without being cleansed by the precious blood of his son Jesus. Then he tells us, Paul tells us in Romans that the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of our sin is death, but a gift is free. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything. You just receive it. The Holy Spirit will take care of the rest if you really meant it with your heart. It tells us in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Simple. Why don't you plan for your future? You probably have a life insurance policy. How about an eternal life insurance policy? You can have it today. And then Paul tells the Romans, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And through this study, if you don't know who the Lord is by now, you've been blinded and your ears are dull. Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no doubt about it. And he put that seed into Mary's womb and that seed, being the Son of God, is sinless. And therefore, he could pay the penalty for our sin, which is death. And you don't have to do anything but believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on him. <coughs> so if you would do that today, with all your heart, I don't have to lead you in prayer. Get on your knees. Stand in your car while you're driving, when you're driving down the road. Call out to God and say, I believe. Forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. And give me your Holy Spirit to live in me and make me a new creature. In the name of Jesus, you can pray. Anyway, church, that's our Christmas message on the incarnation. That was an important day too, wasn't it? So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We get a free gift. The world don't even know what free means. But Lord, I pray that today they would realize what free means. Free means free. You don't have to do anything. Just got to believe. Just like it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. To God be the glory. Merry Christmas, everybody. I love you all. Tune in next Sunday, 10 a.m. Amen. Oh, by the way, for all you out there, I didn't think that all up. This comes from Max Lucado's book called Cosmic Christmas.
I wish I was that creative. <laughs>